This is Hacker Public Radio. My name is Klaatu. I'm the host for today. This is episode 3 of an in-depth series on codecs. In the previous episode, we spoke about uh, compression, which is, as we found out in the first episode, different from codecs, but very, very closely related. The different variables in compression, as we learned in the last episode, are keyframes, which is the uh, number of iframes, or intraframes, per second. We learned about frame rates, which we discovered are perceptual, not actual, and they have everything to do with the perceived smoothness of the motion uh, on the screen. And there is, of course, uh, bitrate. That's important. Bitrate is the amount of information being sent from the source of the video out to whatever it is being shown on, whether it's a media player on your computer or a TV via your DVD player or whatever. In this episode, I want to talk about codecs versus uh, transport formats or container formats and how to distinguish one from the other. And then I want to get into a, a couple of the different codecs that are out there that you and I get to deal with. Codecs are delivered to us, or, or rather video that, that has been encoded. Uh, it is delivered to us in some kind of a file format of one sort or, or another. The most common one, I, I guess, is probably either .avi or .mp4. Sometimes you'll see .mpg. Uh, of course, you've got .mov, .wmv, all these kinds of um, file formats that seem like that would be the codec, right? A lot of people will ask, um, well, what kind of video is it? And someone will say, oh, it's a .avi, which is basically like saying, oh, what kind of car is it? Oh, it's, a, it's an automobile. It's the kind of video file, but it has nothing to do with the codec that is contained inside of that video file. So how do we find out what codec a file is actually has actually been encoded in or with, and what codec, conversely, it needs to be decoded by? Um, the easiest way, I guess, is just to crack open either VLC player or Totem. Those are the two that I use most frequently. VLC player is really what I use typically. You open the video up in that, and you look at the information uh, tab, and it will tell you what kind of stream the uh, video has been encoded in. And it gives you a stream zero for the, typically that's the video feed, or the video stream, and then there's, if there's sound, there'll be another stream, stream one, that'll have the audio codec as well. And even if VLC can't play it for some reason, if it's just some obscure uh, video, then VLC in my experience, still is able to see what kind of codec that video was encoded with. You know, it's just, it's basically reading metadata from that file, even if it can't play it. Don't confuse the container with the codec. So now you know there's no such thing as a .avi file. There's also no such thing, or there there is such a thing as a .mp4 that is not that is a .mp4. So .mp4 sounds like .mpeg4, right? Well, that's what it is. But .mpeg4 is peculiar because it's also a standard. So you can actually have a .mp4 file that uses the .mpeg4 codec, and yet at the same time you could have another .mp4 file that was encoded with, say, .xvid or .h.264 or something like that. So you have to be kind of careful with, with certain container formats. Bottom line, I guess, is to open it up 
in VLC or Totem or something like that, and just take a look in the in VLC. It's in the information uh, section, and it just tells you the different streams contained within that file, which is very helpful. So, more more than trying to decide like what codec to use, because one does one one thing better than another, it's more about which codec you want to use legally, and which and what settings you have set for your compression. So a lot of the burden is still on you as the compress the, the compressor, rather than the codec, which is simply the the method of compressing it. That's a general statement, but it's, it really is. It holds to be true a lot of times. So there's there's two different things that we that we consider when we're thinking about compressing video. There's the video downloads or the DVDs or whatever. Those are typically kind of nice because it's really kind of it's it's there's a limit just on the hardware and the software for bitrate. So you can kind of predict what you want to do for that. Streaming video that's hard. Because there you don't know who is streaming, who is receiving that data, over what kind of connection they're they're getting it. The data needs to be compressed, it needs to be sent, it needs to be received, and then reassembled and played. Live streaming is really hard because you've got video that's being compressed on the fly and being sent somewhere and received and reassembled. And think about streaming. For instance, if I'm streaming video to someone, and if if I have an iframe or essentially what would be, what would be an iframe, and I send that. Well, what if that iframe doesn't arrive for a second, but all the P and the B frames do arrive? Well, they're no good until that iframe gets there, and that's what causes like those that weird kind of digital distortion, or 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 even the the digital skipping of of the image when you're stream video conferencing and things like that. Different codecs. We'll talk about a couple of different ones. There is a standard of codecs uh, for, for for video. Um, there are a couple of standards, I should say. One of the most f- um, well-known is the standard that has been put forth by the Motion Picture Experts Group. They gave themselves that name. They're not necessarily experts. That's just what they call themselves, Motion Picture Experts Group. It's just a group like any other group that defines a standard. You know, they don't have any authority innately. They're just making a lot of sales and they're making their products into standards. So they came up with the MPEG-4 to kind of, as I understand it, to unify all web video and stuff like that. Um, it didn't work, of course, but it did, it was accepted as a standard, and so a lot of the, com- the, a lot of the codecs that have come since then try to uh, adhere to the MPEG-4 standard. Now, the MPEG itself, the Motion Picture Experts Group itself, also has, I mean, they're hardly an unbiased uh, society. They have a, they have a number of MPEG f- codecs that they license out, which is, of course, why none of us Linux users can watch DVDs uh, legally in most countries, or maybe just the U.S., I don't know. Um, you know, it's, it's all because of that whole thing. They, they own the MPEG technology. They license it out to certain people, and if you're buying your OS, you are buying the license for the MPEG-2 uh, format, and if you're not buying your OS, then you're not paying for that MPEG license, and so you don't get to watch that stuff. So luckily, the, 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 good, the good kind of MPEG is MPEG-4, because at least it is a standard, and it is kind of nice for that. The evil stuff, MPEG-1, MPEG-2, those things, uh, MP3, how could I forget that one? MPEG-3, of course, is an MPEG format. So all that stuff is owned and, and licensed out by the MPEG 
society itself. Okay, so let's talk about a nice free codec to get things started because that's always cheerful. XVID is an MPEG-4 compliant codec. So it does it adheres to the standard quite quite well and it's a good thing that it does because it's actually it's really being adopted pretty well from what I can tell. So it can be inside again like a .avi or a .mp4 container. Um, XVID is free as in free and free. It is basically just it's a really good codec that aims toward compatibility. It also has B frame uh, support. So if you're doing the whole I, B, P, B, P, P, I thing, you can do that with XVID. Not all codecs are going to support the B frames. It also has a whole host of different pixel aspect ratio options, so it can do HD. So this is a, a very, very broad codec that can do a lot of stuff. It's a really nice one. What does it lack? Not a whole lot, well, not, not a whole lot actually. Um, it does not have interactivity built into its into its specifications. So if you were going to do a menu where you wouldn't, wouldn't want people to you know click on the screen to to choose I don't know the the next chapter or whatever, XVID alone wouldn't be able to do that. But there are plugins that adds these kinds of features. So there's really not not a whole lot that um, that XVID doesn't do really. Now the the hot new codec on the block that is not free um, is H.264. This did not come from the MPEG Society, but it came from another society. I don't remember. It starts with a V. I don't remember the name of it. But it's it's everyone's really excited about it right now. It was adopted by HD, DVD, and Blu-ray as their format. So instead of going with MPEG-2, um, it's actually going more with H.264. The good news about that is that H.264 is MPEG-4 compliant, so it would be a lot easier for Linux people to be able to watch that because it's a it's it's an open standard, or it's a it's a standard um, that does not require licensing. Um, so there's also there's a codec out there right now called X.264, which is very similar. In terms of trying to get around any kind of licensing issues and legalities. H.264 is kind of a good thing for, for Linux users, although it's not a free or an open uh, codec by any means. It is a pretty robust codec, though, uh, very similar to XVID in the sense that it can do a very wide color space. It can uh, extend itself according to what f what it's going out to. So if, if you need there to be you know, a very high bitrate version for 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 a big screen TV, but then a lesser bitrate for standard definition or something like that. You can you can you have that kind of flexibility with H.264. Divix. A lot of people have heard of Divix. That is basically it's it's a it's another DVD spec. Actually, it's kind of a competitor in in a way to MPEG-2 although it's kind of a competitor at the same time to MPEG-4. It is MPEG-4 compliant as far as I know. Um, it, it, it does have support for interactive menus and chapter points, so it's a lot like the DVD spec in that sense. It's got X-sub for subtitles, has the ability to do multi -audio, multiple audio tracks, so you can switch between soundtracks, uh, and it has X-tag 
for tags that are basically like ID3 ID3 tags for MP3. So it's it's kind of a it's a consumer video oriented codec that gives you, you know, if you were a business and you wanted to license that, you could do that and you would have those features if you didn't want to license it from MPEG for like the MPEG2 standard. Those are kind of the big I guess consumer oriented codecs. I mean, obviously there are so many more Windows Media Windows Media Audio, uh, Real, Real Audio. There's just so many. There's there's three three IVX, which actually interestingly has codecs for Linux, BIOS, and Amiga. Believe it or not, uh, there's Huffy UV. Um, there are codecs that Avid has released. There are codecs that Apple has released. Codecs, um, well, even DV. Like I was saying in a previous episode, DV is in addition to being a tape format that we tape video onto, it's also a form of compression because the video wouldn't fit on that tape if it weren't at uh, initially compressed so that it would fit on the tape. The business model of all of this is quite clever, I guess. The typical way that these companies that just invent, arbitrarily invent these codecs, is that they, they provide the consumer... A free download so the consumer gets to download for free the decoder the thing that will enable the consumer to consume the content and so it seems like it's free it's it's very nice and friendly they're going to the big companies and selling the companies this codec solution so that the company can use for instance real to encode video in such a way that no one else can get to it you know, so that's protecting their content. And the only way for someone to get to it is to get this free decoder. And the decoder will have whatever it needs to have, whether it's advertisements that you have to sit through before you can watch the content, or whether it just simply cost the company that's encoding the content more money to license that technology. One of the big keys usually is trying to lock that content in, which is why MPEG-2 is completely unfriendly format you know you can only you can see it but you can't touch it you can never you can't really pull in mpeg2 very easily and edit it you usually have to transcode it first um, or if you can then some company somewhere has paid a lot of money to license the ability to to edit that content so it's it's all based on who's paying what amount of money for what ability you know, to do what process to the video. It's it's a huge business. We're going to get into even more uh, codec dealers in the next episode. And I'm saving it. I thought this might be the last one, but I think I've, I've run out of time. So I will, I will do one more episode, in which case we'll finish up some of the codecs, some of the more specialized codecs. And then, of course the great AUG collection of codecs. And maybe I'll go into a little bit of uh, line command on how to get uh, something into AUG. Thanks for listening. This has been Hacker Public Radio. Thank you for listening to Hacker Public Radio. HPR is sponsored by caro.net. So head on over to caro.net for all your hosting needs.